It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. It's a Sunday morning. Time to talk cars on your weekly automotive experience. I'm Nick Miles, and you're listening to our auto expert with our pit crew today. It's Megan in for Jan and Chris and Ryan. Uh, guys, we just got back from the Detroit International Auto Show. Quite an experience. Uh, the North American Car, Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year were chosen. And uh, that was that was interesting. Uh, we see Honda winning the Accord, which it was between the Honda and the Stinger. I think uh, I think it was a good one for Honda, but Stinger were very wounded by that win, weren't they, Ryan? We were just talking about that on the way over. Me and Chris were talking about it. Don't you think that they're going to have to make that into their own brand? Like, possibly make Stinger into their own brand? Because Hyundai made Genesis into their luxury brand, so don't you think that Stinger's going to eventually evolve into Kia's luxury brand, or maybe their performance uh, brand? I think you'll be closer to performance. I don't think... Yeah, I think, well, performance brand, not luxury. I'm I don't just think Kia's going to go for a luxury brand. It seems uh, like brand separation that we were just talking about that on the way over it seems maybe maybe uh, everything will be the s so it'll be you'll eventually see things like the kia nero s which will be the stinger version version. and the the, uh, all of them will be s's you know the forte s the optima s but the honda accord's awesome though it's difficult to know which should have won i would have bought the kia i don't know about you megan which are you kia or honda oh i know that i would have bought the kia (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, truck of the year that was even more controversial it was won by the lincoln navigator boy uh there was a lot of stuff around that truck of the year a navigator that was the first thing it's based on the f-150 that's how they can uh, warrant it being in that category but at the same time it's really a utility vehicle it's ninety thousand dollars and although i think it's an off the hook vehicle i'm having a hard time seeing that winning truck of the year my choice out of that would have been the zr2 a lot of complaints from people that the zr2 may have been just a trim level but i don't think it is just a trim level i think the zr2 is its own truck i mean they engineered the underneath quite differently from the regular colorado that's a difficult choice for me too the expedition is basically the same vehicle so the three finalists were the lincoln navigator the ford expedition and the colorado zr2 from chevy and the expedition and the navigator are the same vehicle only one's a luxury version and the other one isn't what they've done on the inside of the navigator is by no means normal they've really stepped it up they've done an amazing interior lots of extras on the inside there it's definitely a big change for the vehicle and deserved attention but i'm not sure truck of the year was the right thing to give it isn't it weird that the f-150 didn't make the truck of the year but two versions of the f-150 well no so there is a good reason it didn't because it's not new this year because they're built on a truck platform but i'm not sure they qualify as a truck the utility of the vehicle was pretty obvious when volvo x C60. I like the Stelvio personally better. I don't think the Odyssey minivan, which was in that run, (laughs) was going to win. So uh, those were the winners. And then there was a lot of interesting vehicles. Uh, It was really a truck show. There was a new Ram 1500. There was the new Silverado. And there was a brand new Ranger. The Ram 1500 to me was amazing. I did notice kind of an interesting thing. So Chevy, Silverado, massive truck, big deal for them. Done a lot of engineering on it. They're they're touting that the chassis has 80% high strength steel. And then 24 hours later, Ram come out with their 1500 and touting that the chassis is 98% high strength steel, which is kind of a bummer for Chevy after they did all that work at 80% high strength steel. They did lose 450 pounds off of the Silverado, which is a big deal. Um, And it does, you know, on the outside, it does look good. I like it in different trim levels. It comes in eight different grades. Then 
whereas the Ram 1500 only comes in six different grades. The Ram will not have a diesel version. They'll continue with the 2018 diesel version for a, approximately a year until the, the new diesel engine has been confirmed by uh, Ram. The big difference is the tech on the inside of the Ram was amazing. I have a 12-inch screen, just like a Tesla. I'd rather just have buttons. That's so interesting because that is exactly what a lot of the truck guys said. They just want more buttons. They didn't want a bigger screen. It is optional, so you can choose it. Um, and so there was a lot of new trucks, SUVs, cars. Uh, we'll be talking to uh, Davis Adams coming up on the show today from Honda about the new Insight that was shown off. We'll be talking some more about those vehicles uh, that were shown off. And Anton Wallman is here. Um, we're going to be talking an awful lot about about, uh, some of the new cars that were announced in Detroit, electric vehicles, BMW with big news, Infiniti with big news, and Toyota with big news about the entire electrified brand for Lexus. Every Lexus by 2025 going electrified. I'm Nick Miles. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Well, one thing I always like to talk about on our auto expert is uh, super fast cars, especially if they happen to be British. Uh, Matthew Clark joining us from Aston Martin. Uh, Matthew, you had a stellar 2017. The first time Aston Martin has made any cash for anybody, isn't it? <laughs> uh, hi, Nick. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a very a very promising year for us. Um, four quarters of profit for the first time in yeah quite a, quite a number of years. Fifty eight percent up on sales. Uh, we did over five thousand cars for the first time since uh, pre recession, really. So um, uh, certainly in the US, our best year since two thousand and eight. So uh, yeah, very good building block for the years ahead. I am very impressed with the fact that uh, this has not only just been a model uh, basis, because you had obviously uh, the new DB11, which was the kickoff to that, but you also did some restructuring as well and changed quite a bit. And it seems to be sort of under the direction of Andy Palmer, who's the new chief over there, or, or not that new, but the current chief who uh, has been there for a few years. And Andy really uh, knew business. We came from Nissan originally. Um, he knew the business angle and changed a lot of things. And to the better, right? Absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, we, we we sort of internally say that the transformation phase, turnaround phase, if you like, is uh, is now complete, and that's exactly what it was. You know, led by Andy, his experience in the industry, and particularly what he, I think, what he learned at Nissan is incredibly valuable to us. But I mean, of course, it's not just not just Andy. It's uh, it's a team of people and some very supportive shareholders who have let us uh, let us pursue the plan. I'm excited because you've always had amazing cars, uh, V12s and V8s in the whole lineup. Quite a few models, actually. And now they, uh, they're they sort of exceeding the expectation. What I thought was where they could be, is they've sort of jumped a whole bunch ahead. I'm seeing newer, faster cars, a lot more dynamic, a lot of groundbreaking technology as well, not just in inside the cars and uh, in, in the chassis and the drivetrains, but also things like manufacturing, the single-piece aluminum hood and the DB11, quite a substantial feat of engineering to make that clamshell hood out of one piece of aluminum. So you're breaking an awful lot of rules at the same time, aren't you? 
Yeah, it's always good fun to break rules, isn't it? Um, it's yeah. I mean, I think that's the beauty of Aston Martin. It's, we've all, probably always been renowned for um, for beautiful cars, and, and one would hope we always will be. But alongside that, there is pretty serious engineering talent, and you say some some innovation. Which, when you're a, a, a smaller, nimble company like us, we can uh, we can we can take those uh, those risks, and we can uh, we can innovate sort of free from um, from any sort of constraints of being part of a, a large uh, conglomerate. So the company has has evolved quite considerably and as we we celebrate our 105th birthday this week um, it bodes well for the next 100 years I like the idea that uh, you have so many uh, new cars coming out so the Vantage has dropped uh, in the end of last year uh, in November you showed us a new uh, Vantage there's a convertible version you've got racing cars you've got a new Valkyrie and there's an awful lot of new material coming out of the Aston Martin Design Studios yeah it's a ferocious pace I mean it's tough for us to keep up with it um, and, and we're, we're sort of close to it so uh, yeah it's, it's it's pretty unrelenting but it's a very exciting time to be associated with this brand and uh, what we said we would do sort of when we started on this transformation just over 18 months ago is we'd replace every car we made today as in then um, and we'd add several more and that that really is gathering pace now so yeah you've seen the new Vantage that will arrive to dealers this summer the DB11 range has grown from the, the coupe that you've already driven Nick uh, to uh, a Volante as well which you'll be driving this year um, and then you know as you say a new race car probably fair to assume you might see a replacement for the Vanquish this year and um, and then in the years ahead we've got our first electric car um, the DBX SUV and uh, probably a good guess that we've got uh, the revival of the Lagonda brand coming as well so awful lot to do but a very exciting time to be part of Aston Martin the, the sort of the company is, isn't it called uh, Lagonda anyway isn't that part of the company name Aston Martin Lagonda is the, yeah, is the company name. The Lagonda brand has been, I guess you'd say, dormant now for, for a couple of decades. But it's still, you know, I think if you're a car fan, you probably, there's a particular Lagonda that you'd uh, you'd remember from late 70s in the William Towns design, the wedge, as we know it. But yeah. um, still, it prompts great affection in uh, in people. And it's a brand that's actually quite well known in the US and the UK. Um, but it will take time to, re, you know, sort of build that brand up again. All right, Matthew, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about what those vehicles are and go through some of the lineup and so people who aren't familiar with the Aston Martin lineup get a better idea. It's still to come more with Matthew Clark for Aston Martin as we return. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. With us still on the phone is Matthew Clark from Aston Martin. Uh, so Matthew, you, you told us in the last break that you were to, looking at Aston Martin about doing electric vehicles. You have an SUV on the way. Um, electric vehicles doesn't seem to, it seems to be quite a departure from what we know as that gurgly, amazing sound V12, which sort of Aston has built this amazing reputation on. And electric seems to be a 360 degree turnaround from that well i mean i think evs are the future i think that is surely what the, probably the whole industry has come to terms with now but for our part we're all all 
all car manufacturers are governed by the same regulations. The principal one that we concern ourselves with is, is your average emissions. So the, the emissions of all the cars that you're, you make, that's one of the guiding guiding regulatory standards that we all have to meet. Um, so for us, we can we can go about meeting that average two ways, I guess. I mean, the first option is we could just downsize all of our engines. A V12 goes away, now a V8 becomes an I6 and so on and so forth. But that's not the route we've chosen. We think we'd like to hold on to the V12 as long as we possibly can. So we've done that by adding uh, turbos. Um, so we've made it more efficient and a cleaner engine for the modern day. We've we've introduced a new V8 courtesy of AMG, which is again twin turboed. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll introduce um, a, a range of, of electric cars, EVs, that will um, will get, of course be zero emissions. And then then that's how we will meet our uh, meet our emissions average. But I mean, to the point about that, that emotion, I mean, I think um, we think there can be something quite exciting about, I mean, there's, there's definitely an excitement that you and I have both experienced in Aston Martins, the, the noise that you get from a, a V12 or a V8. But we think there can also be a similar sort of um, feeling from absolute silence and, a, and a, 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 a quite a lump of power. So um, we definitely think there's something in that. And um, yeah, our commitment is we will have... Uh, we will have an electric variant of every car we make by the middle of the next decade, and um, you're going to see the first one in 2019. The idea that uh, China likes smaller engines and smaller displacement engines because of ecology has probably also pivoted your V8s much uh, much quicker to market because their need was for a V8 rather than a V12, right? Yeah, it's um, V12s. Uh, the taxation rules in China are very different. Um, you, you're taxed on the cylinder principally, so. Um, the the V12 is is not a big uh, it doesn't have a large demand in China but it's not the only reason it's one of um, principally though we're trying to build up a, a much stronger Aston Martin so you need more you need more choice within the range and you need more diversity and uh, you know just in the DB11 now you to have two engine um, variants will give us far more flexibility and, and far more strength in the marketplace lots of reasons but yeah China's China's certainly part of the consideration all right tell us uh, Matthew before we go what uh, what we should be looking for next from Aston Martin? Uh, we're going to see something new in New York, or do you not? Are you not going to unveil in auto shows? When when is the next breathtaking news coming out of Aston? You'll see the uh, the DB11 Volante, and uh, which is our convertible DB11, and the new Vantage will arrive um, on roads here in the US um, over the next few months and into the summer for Vantage. Um, we've we've committed that we will uh, we'll be showing the world the new the replacement for the Vanquish this year. Uh, you'll see um, a little bit more from our Valkyrie project with uh, Red Bull. Uh, and who knows, we might have another couple of surprises up our sleeves before the end of the year. Uh, very puffy sleeves over at Aston Martin. Lots of surprises coming out of them. Uh, Matthew Clark from Aston Martin, if we want to find out more about what the company's doing, uh, where can we go? AstonMartin.com. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much. Homo News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back.
Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. Well, welcome back. At the North American International Auto Show in Detroit, Honda unveiled a brand new Insight. And to find all the information about the Insight, of course, we called our friend Davis Adams over at Honda, who joins us on the phone. Before we talk to Davis, Ryan has a Honda fun fact. The Honda Insight was introduced in Japan in November 1999 as the first production vehicle to feature Honda's integrated motor assist system. But it originated from Honda JVX concept cars unveiled at the 1997 Tokyo Motor Show. Excellent. It's been around a while, hasn't it, Davis? It has. This is actually our third generation Insight, Nick. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. The Insight wasn't the prettiest car in the lineup of Honda originally, but it seems to, just like the fairy tale says, the ugly duckling became a swan. <laughs> you know, the Insight's gone through some phases, some changes. The first car back in 99 was a was a two-seat coupe. You know, you remember that little thing? It was aluminum an all-aluminum car that you know got 60 miles per gallon. It was great. And it was actually the first hybrid ever put on sale in America, period. We started the hybrid industry here. I was going to say, you, <laughs> we you, say you, got pre, you, you got pretty, though, because those first hybrids, let's just face it, I mean, they all had pretty good and interesting miles per gallon of them. They Everybody was breaking uh, records every time they came out with a new car. Um, they were getting better and better fuel economy. But boy, they were so ugly, those first hybrid vehicles. I don't know who talked to the to all of the designers of the world who, and said aerodynamics looks like eggs. <laughs> and apparently that was a step. <laughs> um, was a memo. Apparently that was that was a thing. And 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 honestly, our second generation Insight looked like one chill. Um, but we're excited because this new third generation car, the car we just showed off at the Detroit Auto Show, is stunning. It's it's beautiful. It's built on the same platform as our Civic sedan, and it has all the great proportions that go with it too. It looks very, very much like a small Accord. Would I be correct in saying that? I'd say that, you know, it fits somewhere between the Civic and the Accord in our lineup. So in terms of size, it's actually the same size as the Civic, which is a compact sedan. Um, It's built on the same platform as that car. Um, in terms of styling, it does have some of the Accord slightly more mature uh, lines and that kind of stuff, maybe on the, the front and rear bumpers. The headlights are a little more streamlined. Uh, and, and once we show you the interior later this year, I think you'll see that it's a little bit more Accord-like as well. So I'd say it's somewhere between Civic and Accord for sure. All right. So run down what we know about the new Insight. What facts and figures have you made available from Honda? Sure. So this is the car that we showed you last week was the prototype, first of all. So uh, we're a little scarce on, on some of the big details so far, but I will tell you, it's a, first of all, it's a four-door sedan. Um, it comes standard with CarPlay. Uh, it, com- it has a, so CarPlay, Android Auto, has Honda Sensing, right, which is our suite of safety and driver's assistive aid. Uh, it is, if, from a drivetrain standpoint, it has our 1.5-liter Atkinson Cycle four-cylinder paired to our two-motor hybrid system. So that means that it works uh, very similarly to the Accord hybrid, or the Clarity plug-in hybrid, minus the fact that it's on a plug-in, in terms of the way the drivetrain works. So it doesn't even have a transmission. It has two motors um, and, a, and kind of a crazy, you know, final drive ratio lockout gear for highway speed, which is really cool. And, and, then, and then ultimately, it's this beautiful, beautiful sedan that doesn't look like a styling compromise like some of our competitors, but does get 50 miles per gallon or more. So uh, let me ask you this. Uh, when can we actually see it for sale? Uh, we're looking at a little bit later this year. We still need to show you the interior and the final production model. Uh, but it, So it'll be, look at the second half of this year. And then tell me about the pricing and those type of things. Is it going to be a reasonably priced, priced against the competition? 
Yeah, 100%. I'd say that we're going to fall right in line with uh, the other major competitors out there in the, in the compact hybrid segment. Um, you're looking at somewhere between uh, Civic and Accord in pricing. So if, we, we haven't said it officially yet, but you know, Civic, the middle the middle ground for Civic is about is in, is in the mid 20s. You know, the middle ground for Accord is not quite thirty thousand dollars. If you had to guess, you could probably be somewhere in there. All right, I'll try not to guess. I'll try to get the uh, real facts from you when they actually come. Uh, you guys seem to be mastering the, um, I would say, the hybrid, the plug-in market. Uh, it's something that you played a little bit in, but it seems like uh, almost all of your cars are, are heading that direction. It's a, a very astute observation on your part. You know, we've we've said that uh, that we're that we're planning to electrify you know all of our volume models. You're also going to find it in the future that we're adding more electrification, more hybridization to the to our mainstream models as well. All right. When we come back, Davis, I want to talk a little bit about this running streak that you're on for winning. Uh, you've had three cars in a row to make the North American Car Truck or Utility Vehicle of the Year, and uh, this year was no exception. So you. Uh, you took it with a cord. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. Still with us on the phone is Davis Adams. Uh, Davis, you took away a third year in a row, a trophy from the North American jury this year for the Accord-winning Car of the Year. What is your secret to your source? You know, I would tell you we are we are so humbled to be selected for the third year in a row for one of the NAC Toy Awards. It's just crazy to us. As you know, uh, for 2016, Civic won Car of the Year. Last year, Ridgeline won for Truck of the Year. And now this year, the Accord with Car of the Year again. It's just so flattering. And we are, you know, first and foremost, it's the product. It's it's so much about the product. The, the car is just fantastic. So this vehicle was up against the Kia Stinger and uh, also the Toyota Camry, which which are both pretty formidable vehicles in their class. What do you think gave it the edge? You know, you're, you're right. They're, they are both great cars. And, you know, the, the Stinger that you mentioned is, is a really cool sports sedan. I think that that it's it's really amazing to see Kia climb from where it once was years and years ago uh, to where it's headed with cars like the Stinger. Um, and I'm excited to see where that car, you know, takes the brand in general. You know, they, they're probably going to sell fewer of those than we do with the Cords, but I, it's still, it's, it's really just an amazing vehicle. With the Camry, which is probably a really pure competitor for the Accord, I, I feel pretty strongly, but I'm biased, that the Accord's just a better car in every capacity. So, so I'm glad that the jurors feel that way too. I think one of the things that when I look at both of those cars, both the Accord and the Camry, that makes a difference with those two vehicles is the Camry was it was sort of a reinvigoration of the brand. They tried to sporty it up. They tried to give it cool colors, cool looks, cool new leather interiors. And much more with the Accord, you guys try to go back to to basics and you tried to make your vehicle for instance have a you had a great new transmission and you tried to make the drive much improved so it was really about the core of the car rather than the razzmatazz at the beginning of everything for us is the machine you know we're the world's largest supplier of engines 
So we want to make sure the engines we put in the car, the heart of the car is good. And as you know, you have a choice between a 1.5 liter turbo, a two liter turbo, or a hybrid drivetrain with the Accord. We want to make sure that the heart was healthy. From there, we put in, you know, like we have a new 10-speed automatic transmission in the two liter models. It's incredible. Um, you can also find that in the Odyssey, but it's it's a really great transmission. And then the driving dynamics of the car, the suspension, which we have an active suspension on the touring models and, you know, just the way the car handles and steers and feels the whole goal is to make it feel very substantial. And then on top of that really excellent machine was to build a package, a beautiful, something that was beautiful to look at, that fit people well, that had the features that you want, CarPlay, Android Auto, heated and ventilated seats, Honda sensing, so you have the semi-autonomous technology. All that stuff is there uh, for the customers to uh, enjoy and improve their safety on the road. Do you think that your big advantage is in reliability, in safety, or is it in style and looks? Where, where does Honda win the audience? I, I think we're really lucky to have uh, such a well-rounded package this time, Nick. You know, the, the car, the first thing that, that draws people's attention to the car is the way that it looks, of course. It is beautiful to look at. The new one's very handsome, very stylish. You know, it has standard LED headlights and this is really like fast racing back in terms of the, 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 the profile of the car, the silhouette of the car. It's just, it's just beautiful to look at. Um, the interior is very handsome. But then when you go up from there, or when you start really doing your research on it, you find that you know our safety stuff is standard. You know we, we offer active safety systems as standard on every single car, every single Accord you're going to buy, of course. Davis Adams, thank you so much for joining us today on our Auto Expert. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other vehicles that have been announced by other automakers and we're going to talk to Anton Wallman, our crazy man scientists, all about the future of electric, plug-in electric, and autonomous vehicles. That's coming up. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. So coming up on our Auto Expert in Hour 2, we're going to talk more about the cars from the Detroit Auto Show, better known as the North American International Auto Show, and go through some of those vehicles so we have a better understanding of what you can expect to see in showrooms in the coming months. Ryan, if I was to ask you what was the most significant release that you saw at the North American International Auto Show this year, your answer would be... So Ford happened to release like four different vehicles and the best one Wait, was it's supposed Mustang. to be a one-word answer. <laughs> I, know, I know. Okay, one word. Bullet. The bullet. Bullet. Uh, yes, Ford announced the new Bullet. Uh, they found the original from the movie from 1968, which was the Steve McQueen chase car, or the uh, I guess it was a car chase. It was chased by a Challenger, I believe, in 1968. But the Bullet was this classic green fastback Mustang with the vents down the side. It was patinaed out then. It's patinaed out now. We got to see it for the first time at the auto show 40 years after the movie. And his granddaughter came out with the brand new Bullet. And Ryan, you cried a little, didn't you? I cried. Steve McQueen is my hero. That 10-minute car chase is the best thing in history. That's how I grew up was that car chase. My grandma showed it to me. It's the best. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. 
It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. So in this hour of the show, I wanted to go over some of the vehicles that we got to see at the North American International Auto Show, which was in Detroit a couple weeks ago. And there were significant new releases. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the trucks that were released, a new Ram 1500, a new Ford. Uh, that was the Ranger, their quarter-ton truck. There was also a brand new Silverado. But there's limited edition Ford Mustang Bullet. Now, originally a 1968 GT Fastback, it starred alongside Steve McQueen in the movie Bullet and was lost for nearly 40 years and they found it and they announced it. Now, it will have a V8 engine. It'll be a 5 litre, 475 horsepower, 420 pounds feet of torque, a top speed of 163 miles an hour. It'll be available in that original colour, which is the classic dark Highland green exterior. It'll have subtle chrome accents. Uh, you can see it if you go to uh, ourautoexpert.com. The interior highlights include a 12-inch all-digital LCD cluster along with those Recaro black leather seats and the unique green accent stitching on the inside. But all of that aside, there are several iconic cars in history. There is Knight Rider. There is the Dukes of Hazard car. There is Starsky and Hutch's car. There is the Wienermobile. Uh, what else is there? What else? What other classic cars from history? Out of all of those classic vehicles, there's only one you can actually buy, which is the bullet. The others were paint colors. The others were just paint paint colors on the exterior of, of a car. The bullet was a very specific car that you can buy, and it's back. The other cars you can't really buy anymore in those classic liveries or those classic looks. The Wienermobile isn't for sale in any lot I've ever seen. You, you know, Knight Rider was never produced, the Knight Rider car. The Wienermobile is a trim level, though? Well, the Wienermobile is a, it, no, it was not a trim level, but Wienermobile is a special vehicle. But okay. so was Knight Rider car, right? Kit. Yeah. They were special vehicles. Um, Megan, what do you think were some of the one-off classic cars of history? If you think of a vehicle that you will never forget, what is it? Herbie? Yeah, see, that was a video. But so Herbie's another great example. It was a bug that had a specific paint trim on the outside, right? So that you could buy any bug and paint it from that year. Yeah. You can't buy a GT Fastback um, until now. It's the only car that was is is available from the movie. So some people paint them up, they bring them back a little bit. But this is a very classic car. Now Matt Moran, uh, one of the uh, members of YouTube, a, a great guy on YouTube from Matt Moran Motoring, uh, formerly known as WRX Guy, is, has actually ordered one. And we're going to try and get him on the show to talk about the one he's ordered. That's really exciting to me. And you see a car at an auto show and you go order it. To me, that's super exciting. But that was probably the most classic car of the show. I know you cried a little bit when you saw it. We There was also the Toyota Avalon. That was super interesting. The new Avalon is going to have a smartwatch application. So you can use the car from your smartwatch. You can have several uh, applications available from the smartwatch. There was also the new Veloster N. So Hyundai bring out this racing version of their Veloster. 275 horsepower. The, the most powerful. They're obviously going uh, for the WRX. They're going up for things like the Honda Type R, uh, the RS. That's the sort of ground that they're starting to play in. Uh, 
uh, there but was that coolest Velociter was the one from Ant Man that was purple and it had the flames all over. Yeah, it the Veloster. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, then they had Ant Man at their party. By the way, which gracious. Uh, cool concepts. The Nissan X Motion. This vehicle is what Nissans will look like in the future, and you'll be able to do certain things in the car with your eyes. So imagine being able to turn pages on the screen by using your eyes or gesture control to do things in the car. And we've seen that available in BMWs, but this is a non-luxury car. Can you imagine taking phone calls with an eye with your eyes? I mean, to me, just looking at the phone and it would turn on. Ooh, scary sci-fi. Sci-fi on the inside of the car. New Kia Forte, new Edge ST for the first time, brand new Jeep Cherokee shown. Um, so there was a lot of very, very cool stuff revealed. And the Lamborghini Urus. How do we say it? Urus? Urus. Urus. Uh, the new Urus, which is their SUV, 650 horsepower and $200,000. <laughs> That's change in my pocket. That was expensive. Uh, would you have a Lamborghini SUV, Megan? If they gave me one. Oh, so we just have to give it to you. Uh, Megan asking for a free Lamborghini. Uh, our auto expert will return. We're going to also uh, talk a little bit about those cars, and we're going to talk to Anton Wallman, who is our expert in all things electric. That's coming up. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, new cars that we saw at the Detroit show uh, in depth a little more. So the new Toyota Avalon. Uh, here's the interesting things. When you think of a Toyota Avalon, uh, I want you guys to guess. And only guess if you don't know. If you know the right answer, don't tell me. Where do you think it was designed, Megan? Just take a guess. Avalon? Yeah. In if Avalon. In the right. land of Avalon. In the land of Avalon. Chris, where would you think the Toyota Avalon was designed? It's Toyota, so I'm guessing somewhere in Asia. All right. So I know the Japan. answer. Right, don't tell me if you know the answer. <laughs> Japan. Where would you think it? Do you know the answer, Ryan? Is this one of them that's designed in the U.S.? It's designed in, in Michigan. It was Ann Arbor, Michigan is where the Avalon was designed. The top end of the luxury sedans of Toyota designed in, in Michigan, which to me is pretty cool. All right, next step up, where do you think it's going to be built? Are we still pretending we don't know? Yeah, if you don't know. Do you know? <laughs> Kentucky? Yeah, you see. You know. My brother lives in Kentucky. Oh, uh, well, but that's, that's awesome. That's big news down in Kentucky. Right, built in Kentucky. So, so Any, Anything's big news down in Kentucky. <laughs> that's um, true. Perhaps the, perhaps the current government who uh, we may not all agree with is having an effect on these ve- you know on these vehicles being produced in the United States. I think that's awesome uh, by the way because they don't want to be mocked publicly I on mean, Twitter. But it's it's more helpful if you do what your government want you to do than you go against what they want to do because then they would like to support you with tax credits and to make life easier, right? So to- I think Toyota have realized that and they've done that. Uh, they're moving a lot of their production of their vehicles into the United States. And I love that idea. Designed in in Ann Arbor, Michigan, four different trim levels. It's going to have a nine-inch infotainment screen on the inside, a new V6 and hybrid engines, heads-up display. It will also be engineered on Toyota's new platform. So the most expensive thing about designing a brand-new car is the platform. That's what makes it really difficult and expensive. So that's the underpinnings of the car, the frame, uh, all those things. And the reason it's expensive is, apart from being a massive feat of engineering, you have to crash test it. And this means you have to take 
uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of parts and just run them into a wall at speed to make sure that we can all survive and and come out of an injury in the best best way possible. This new platform is called TNGA, and it's going to also be the first Toyota with the adaptive variable suspension. We've seen it on Cadillacs. Now, Cadillac's a luxury vehicle. Toyota is not a luxury vehicle. We're starting to see adaptive suspension on these vehicles, which really means that the suspension will change milliseconds. It will change how stiff it is and how relaxed it is, depending on what road surface you're on. I like that idea. It'll also have their Intune 3.0 system. The cool thing about the new Intune is Toyota have resisted for years having anything to do with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. That will eventually come into these vehicles now. You'll have wireless charging. Uh, you'll also have the remote connect, which is the way to run your vehicle from a smartwatch. So you'll be in bed in the morning megan and you'll go oh, you know the car's cold it's like you know 30 degrees outside you hit on your smartwatch, start the car the car will start when you come out it'll all be nice and warm and toasty uh, i like that idea the wireless charging is great it'll also uh, it'll also have their safety sense p which toyota put in all their vehicles which makes it super safe a lot of people think that this vehicle is a little bit high-end to be in the Toyota lineup. Perhaps it should be a Lexus, uh, but it's not. It's kind of a it's a high-end Toyota for those people that don't want to drive. Toyota Safety Sense P is on the Tundra and the Tacoma too, and the 4Runner. It's coming on everyone. I think it might be on the 2018s. Okay. They're including it. We'd have to look that up specifically. That's what they're saying. Yeah, that that'd was... be that'd be really cool. Honestly, uh, put um, it on a Tacoma and a Tundra. I mean. That's awesome. Radar cruise control and everything. Mm -hmm. That'd be sweet. Uh, the idea is that they're putting safety sense P on all their vehicles and that, that has your all of your safety, the braking, lane changing, all of that stuff will be on these vehicles, which I like. It's a, it's a great idea. Uh, one of the other vehicles that we saw uh, was the brand new Hyundai Veloster N. Now, there was a new Veloster. It got uh, all new Veloster from the ground up, new fresh look. It retains the Hyundai unique two plus one body style. How do you like that, by the way? So it's two doors on one side and one on the other. Does that freak you out? I don't like it. Really? It actually works really well, but it freaks me out in my head because I feel like it should be even. Having two doors on one side and one on the other. It's kind well, of weird. Well, what's the point? So people can get out the back seat easy. That's the idea. But Symmetry. only curbside. Only curbside. Symmetry is so important in everything, but I think. this car's just... been a huge success. This car's been a huge success. Um, the new Veloster will come with a 1.6-liter turbo engine, and it'll have now the N version, which will be 275 horsepower. The regular version, 201 horsepower, and inspired track suspension. And when we come back um, on our Auto Expert, we're going to talk more about the cars that were unveiled in Detroit and some of those concepts, too. I want to talk a little bit about the cool stuff that those vehicles could do. That's coming up when we return. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. So what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about some of the concept cars that we saw at the North American International Auto Show a couple of weeks ago. The Lexus SUV, the LF1 Limitless, all-new concept crossover from them. It's sort of the future design of Lexus, what they're going to look like in the future. It looks small when you look at it with a really long hood, but it's actually massive. It's a big car. It is so gorgeous on the inside of it. The purple and the gold that you need to see the inside of the car. It's gorgeous. Uh, it could be powered by a fuel cell, a plug-in hybrid, or an electric powertrain. By 2025, this is the big news from Lexus. By 2025, every Lexus will either be fully electrified or have an electric option. Every single Lexus. That means that uh, Lexus will be plug-in everywhere. And that's big news. Volvo will announce that 
Honda announcing uh, something similar to that. So people announcing they're going electric. 22-inch uh, wheels, 4D navigation, and designed in California. I think the thing looks really amazing. The new Lexus design language, that spindle grille up front going throughout the whole of the car, uh, that spindle shape sort of you know resonating through the hood, through the, the, the glass, through the back end of the car. It looks really smooth and limitless is exactly what they're calling it. Now, I want to step back from Toyota Lexus. We've seen five concepts in a row, but no new SUV and they've all been SUVs. So when do we think the new SUVs coming? We're guaranteed the RXL. We did the interview with them. And they, All right, they that's true. No, so I RXL take that back. Come. So one RXL, which is sort of a, a an extended RX mm-hmm. version with a third row. But apart from that, we've seen five concepts. I think we've got to have a new Toyota 4Runner. We've got to have a new FJ Cruiser. Something like that is going to come in the next few months. Um, I think of that. The other one, the other car that I think is off the hook is the new uh, Cross Motion, and it's spelled X M O T I O N Cross Motion concept from Nissan. This is what the future of connected autonomous crossovers will look like. It comes equipped with Nissan's intelligent mobility technology like ProPilot Assist and ProPilot Park. Display and information systems can be controlled by gestures and eye movement. So you can display gestures and eye. Are you looking at a picture of it right now, Chris? Do you think it's kind of cool? I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, the front end looks looks awesome. Looks so manly. see, see, it's yeah. very, very uh, beefy. See those wheels? Those wheels are the wheels are metal, and the tires are printed on the outside of the wheel. So they're oh, they're sort crazy. of molded or laminated onto the outside of the wheels. That's kind of freaky, right? Uh, gesture control, I think, is great. It's uh, 21 inch wheels with off road tires laminated over the wheels, retractable rooftop box. Tail lights are inspired by Japanese wood, and inside the symbols honor a Japanese landscape. It'll be a four plus two, which technically means that it'll have a, a six or seven person layout, three rows, side by side seating for family and pets. So plenty of room to get your family pets in. I like beefy. And this is a beefy car. I like very boxy cars, uh, and I like the fact that this looks masculine, rough, off-road. It's very Jeep-esque. And it's I just want to buy a concept car. How much do you think a concept car costs? Uh, I don't, they don't work, dude. They roll them out onto <laughs> auto shows just to, to look I will pretty. Flintstone my way to Fred Meyer's every day. <laughs> Uh, that's a whole different uh, visual we just got there. Uh, some of the cars from the North American International Auto Show today. When we come back, Anton Warman's going to be on the phone. Anton's talking to us about electrification, about concept cars in electrification, and about the new vehicles that some of the car companies are going to be making that are going to be autonomous. He's got all the inside dirt on electric cars. That's coming up as we return. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. So every week on the show, we try to join our uh, mad scientist, the guru of all things electric, autonomous uh, stroke Tesla is Anton Wallman. He is an independent investor and an analyst uh, living in Las Vegas, but uh, sharing information about the electric cars from all over the world. Anton, you got a chance to look at some of the vehicles out of the Detroit Auto Show, and there are some interesting electric options there. So let's talk about Infinity first of all. Uh, what's going on with Infinity? Well, Infinity, of course, is the uh, premium car brand under the Nissan umbrella. 
and they announced that I believe starting in 2021, all of their new cars being launched at that time will include a an electrified option. So they would e- either be fully electric or have this e-power system, which Nissan has already introduced on a couple of vehicles that they are selling only in Japan. And how that works is that there is an electric motor that drives the car directly at all times, but it is fed by an, a regular gasoline engine that basically uh, feeds this electric motor, but it doesn't plug in anywhere. So a little bit like the Volt, but without the plug-in version. That's right. That's that's very much uh, like what it is. And uh, they have tried this in Japan with great success. And uh, uh, what Infiniti, of course, isn't saying, and which is typical of many of these recent announcements for most of the major automakers, is precisely what this blend is going to be. Namely, how many of these cars after 2021 are going to be fully battery electric vehicles and how many are going to be uh, one of these hybrid flavors and uh, we're just gonna have to wait another couple of years until we uh, get a closer taste of that of course they showed some uh, concept car uh, along these lines but uh, uh, that was more to uh, display styling interior and exterior wise than really to showcase a specific uh, powertrain solution. Let's talk about BMW, big news from their uh, side of the field. They're saying uh, from 2021, 435 miles will be the range of every one of their EVs. Yeah, so that's another very sneaky announcement because, uh, of course, when BMW made the announcement that all of their EVs will have 435 miles of range, they uh, interestingly omitted that the definition of 435 miles was on the European driving cycle, which usually subtracts almost a third of the range as translated into the North American driving cycle, the one that is certified by the EPA in Washington, D.C. So what this really means is that what BMW is saying is that all of their EVs launched in 2021 and onwards will have miles of range, not the far higher number of 435. It's a little bit like counting uh, British imperial gallons versus U.S. gallons, uh, uh, although arguably a little bit worse than that. So that's one way where I'm sure there was plenty of confusion, but the real answer is it's 300 and up, not 435 and up. Audi saying e-tron going on sale in Europe in December. Uh, sorry, I couldn't hear the last thing you so said. So it said Audi say that the e-tron is going on sale in December in That's Europe. right. So Audi's e-tron, which they had originally announced in September of 2015, is very much on track to be launched later this year and will be on sale in Europe in terms of actual consumer deliveries by December of this year. And then one or two months later than that, so January or February of 2019, this car will be in U.S. showrooms. And uh, there are a couple of geographies, most notably Norway, where Audi is already taking deposits for the Audi e-tron. And uh, I think we should see a major media 
uh, launch of this car here uh, shortly after we passed the midpoint of this year. And uh, the car, of course, I think is going to be absolutely wonderful here. And of course, Audi is part of the Volkswagen Group, which also owns and controls an entity called Electrify America, which is spending no less than $2 billion on building out an electric vehicle charging infrastructure in the United States. This construction started approximately six months ago and uh, will be uh, um, gathering pace here over the next year or so in time. All right, Anton, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about Toyota, Nissan, PSA and Mazda, because they all have electric vehicles on the table and some, some interesting news from them that came out of Detroit this year. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Charge your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Anton Waldman's still on the phone with us talking about electric cars and information that was released at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. Anton, uh, Nissan had big news as far as the number of orders they've taken for the new Leaf. That's right. So Nissan launched the new Leaf in Japan. Uh, where they started delivering the cars on October 2nd, and they will start delivering the car here in the United States right now in January. And uh, basically, they announced that they had taken 13,000 orders for this new Nissan LEAF 2.0 in the United States. So we should see some pretty respectable numbers coming down the pike for this Nissan LEAF, which has a range of at least about 150 miles. Now, you may say that this range number 150 miles is not all that impressive when you compare it to the two leaders in the segment namely the chevy bolt as well as the tesla model 3. however you should realize also further that uh, many people buy these cars based on the lease pricing and nissan we know is going to be extremely aggressive in terms of pricing the nissan leaf 2.0 at a very, very low number. So uh, expect to see these monthly lease numbers to come out of Nissan to be very attractive when compared to the major competitors from Chevrolet and from Tesla. Uh, Let's talk about PSA. That's not a car company that we're very familiar with here in the United States. Yeah, PSA uh, is typical sales cars under the brands uh, Peugeot and Citroën. They're French-based. And uh, they are uh, they actually acquired Opel from General Motors on August 1st of 2017. So they now also own the Opel brand. And uh, they announced that by 2025, all of their cars will include an electrified option. Again, this is one of these announcements that sound perhaps a little bit bigger than what they really are. Because all this means is that any given model that comes out, Uh, from PSA in the next few years will offer at least some sort of a hybrid in the mix. And, uh, of course, there could be far more important and bigger things hiding under this announcement. Uh, Namely, you could see, for example, a bunch of purely electric cars that will also be launched by PSA. But they didn't really specify how many of them were going to be that. But we know that they're working on several ones, and we don't have to wait until 2021 to see them. We're going to see many of them on the road already by 2019 or 2020. Uh, they're also coming back to the United States with some sort of ride-sharing options in their cars as well, aren't they? Yeah, what they're doing is that they're entering the U.S. market first essentially with an app 
that is going to enable you to uh, do various forms of ride sharing and then essentially car sharing and car rentals. And uh, in the beginning, they will essentially uh, pair that with any kind of other cars. You might be getting into a Ford or a Toyota or a Mazda or whatever else. But over time, and say they basically all they, they promise is that they will be in the U.S. with a car no later than 2026. And they simply did not announce what kind of car that would be, but rest assured that they are working on a re-entry into the U.S. market. But the most important thing about the PSA story is that a decade ago, this was a company that was on its financial back. They were losing money and were a hair away from bankruptcy. And now, now only a few years later, the company is suddenly one of the more profitable car companies in the world. All right, Anton Wallman, independent investor, and he is also a special in electric cars, an analyst that we like to call him, but he's also a bit of a crazy mad scientist. When we come back, we'll round out the show with some of the information and capture what we've learned. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our expert with Nick Miles continues. Well, that rounds up this week's show. Uh, what did you learn, Megan, this week? So There's much. a long pause there. I, uh, I learned that the French people have cars. Yeah. That they have their own car maker and people. That, was that interesting to you? No. <laughs> you don't care. You don't care whether the French have cars. I do not. Uh, what else did you learn? That Anton Woolman is like a mad scientist and knows way more than anybody else in the world? I don't know who he is. And we have nothing in common. Because <laughs> you want to talk minivans and mom stuff. I don't want to talk about minivans. Oh well, I mean, I could talk minivans. I know a lot about minivans. You do, uh, but you're all about the mom cars, what your kids should ride in first. Kid, because you have a 16 year old learning to drive. I have a 16 year old that's getting his driver's license in less than two weeks. Does that scare the bejesus out of you? I'm not super scared, but it is amazing. Just the thought process of what kind of vehicle to put your child in. You know, like you think, oh, you should get them just a cheap car, but can we can we have this as a segment next week on the show? Yes, of course. All right. Don't forget, you can see us 24-7 at ourautoexpert.com. And also, check us out at Como News. Stay connected. Stay informed. This is Como News.